Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok, will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Stereo, get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees, iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast is coming up next. We have Arizona Cardinal, the honey motherfucking badger, Tyron Matthew. Joining the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, talk about his career, his life, what's going on in the NFL, iconic player, um... Went to LSU, grew up in New Orleans, tells dope stories about seeing Lil Wayne and the whole Cash Money Click crew in his neighborhood when he was just a little kid. Um, his career, his matchups, who's dope, who's not dope, who talks trash, all that. I love motherfucking Honey Badger, the Honey Badger Tyron Matthew. Um, then me and G Moody, last name rhymes with duty, are going to do our thing. There's been a couple of... Uh, Fake sign language interpreters showing up at press conferences doing patty cake, patty cake, baker's man shit instead of doing sign language. Something happened in Tampa uh, at a police press conference and a lady's there. She's not doing sign language, but she's the fake sign language interpreter. We're going to talk some NFL, talk some NBA, talk some deviant Donald Trump. Um, this story uh, that's been all over the news, um, this kid down in Tennessee, Keaton, Keaton Jones, 
Um, young kid, looks like he's probably about 11 or 12 years old. Um, his mother shot a video of him talking about him being bullied, and it went super viral. All sorts of athletes, Delaney Walker, Mark Ruffalo, uh, I mean, singers, J-Lo, Steven Jackson, all sorts of people have reached out and expressed wanting uh, their support. Uh, UFC, Dana White, I mean, every single person uh, that you could imagine on the internet has reached out to him. Um, he was being bullied, um, and it's just a sort of heartfelt uh, sort of plea for help and why he's being bullied, and it just went super viral. We're going to find out what would happen if this little boy, Keaton Jones, had Danny Aiello show up to his school and at the bullies' homes and dealt with the parents themselves. And then we have the roving international reporter, the unofficial roving international reporter of the I Am Rap Report Stereo Podcast, our guy Eli Lake, who's been rocking with us for a long time now. The simple question I have for Eli today is, what is going on in Israel? Donald Trump named Jerusalem the capital of Israel. I want to know, is that good? Is it bad? Is it real? Is it fake? Why and how can Donald Trump anoint Jerusalem the capital of Israel? Um, he's going to inform us unbiased, hard-hitting reporting. All that and more on a big Banger, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, Eli Lake, and me and G Moody. Last name rhymes with duty. Let's go. Angular, cases, opulent. If you aren't familiar with those terms, Congratulations, you're just like me. I just want to know, does it taste good? Well, luckily, I found First Leaf, the only wine club that's based on your taste. I just received my very first First Leaf order, and these are some damn good wines. I highly and personally recommend their services, and this is how it works. Customize your First Leaf order by selecting the color, wine regions, and frequency of your wine shipments. First Leaf then creates an introductory three-pack of wine just to get you started. They sent me white wine and rosé, and they were delicious. Plus, they keep on coming. With First Leaf's introductory pack, you'll get all three for just five bucks each. Five bucks. Normally, these bottles of wine go for like $20 a pop, if not more. When your bottle arrives, rate the wine to get personalized selection based on your unique taste. The more wines you rate, the better your recommendations will be. First Leaf eliminates the middleman and works directly with the world's foremost wineries in France, Italy, and Napa Valley. First Leaf is my new favorite way to rate and buy quality wine. I love First Leaf. To order your three-pack of introductory wine for $15, go to firstleaf.com slash Rappaport. That's three bottles of wine for only 15 bucks. Try firstleaf.com Slash Rappaport, R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T. Experience First Leaf today and try firstleaf.com slash Rappaport. I am telling you, it is the best, simplest, and cheapest way to drink fantastic wine. How you feeling, Mr. Moody? Oh, I'm good, man. Everything is uh, everything, is everything, man. That's good. That's good. You know? Yeah, I understand that. Um... What have you been up to, Mr. Moody? 
Oh man, just uh, I moved in my crib. Yeah, how's that going? It's going good. Yeah, uh, we're we're basically finished. <laughs> so what happens now? When are we doing the oxtail stew for the folk? I would say March. And let's do it in the it's spring. Fucking March! It's fucking. It's not. It's December now. What about what the fuck? We gotta wait for March for oxtail stew is great in the winter. <laughs> Listen, man. The people want their fucking oxtail stew. It's is you don't bring them here in the winter, man. Let's wait till spring, so, okay? So it could thaw out. Everybody okay. can be good. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Not a fucking problem. Um, so it's all over the news and the internet. Uh, I caught it a couple of days ago. This little kid, uh, apparently his name is Keaton Jones, young kid in Tennessee, and it, it looks like. You know, he had some kind of surgery because he had like a big scar on the back of his head. Um, he made a video for his mother, young kid. I think he's probably like in the sixth grade, fifth grade or something like that. Right. We don't fact check. This is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. For all new listeners, um, we don't fact check. We take pride in the fact that we don't fact check. We let the shit talking uh, fall where it may uh-huh. and uh, clean it up if need be later. We haven't really had to clean it up in the past. Nah, we don't do that. Uh, but this young fella, Keaton Jones, made a video. Um, his mom was videotaping it, and, and it caught on him. He was, went viral like a motherfucker. I seen everybody from T.I. to Steven Jackson to uh, Tennessee Titan to Laney Walker to Mark Ruffalo, friend of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Um, t- t- I mean, it's all over the place. If right. you haven't seen this video, um, look it up. Here's a little clip. This kid, Keaton Jones. Just out of curiosity, why do they boy? What What's the point of it? Why do you find joy in taking innocent people and finding a way to be mean to them? It's not okay. What did they say to you? They call me, they make fun of my nose. They call me ugly. They say I have no friends. What'd they do to you at lunch? Put milk on me and put ham down my clothes. They bread at me. Is it just you? Yep. Or is it other kids too that feel that way? Say it's other kids too. How's that make you feel? I <laughs> that they do it to me and I for sure don't want that they do it to other people because not okay. People that are different don't need to be criticized about it. It's not their fault. <laughs> but if you are made fun of, just don't. So as you can hear, it's very heartfelt and, and you know, just very genuine kid. Talk about being bullied. You know, um, as a kid, you know, it's a new age. It's a new, it's a new time. And, you know, um, this kid is getting, you know, people from the, the MMA, UFC world reaching out. They, they inviting them. You know, people felt bad for him. Um, and I think it's a good thing. Um, obviously, you know, bullying, especially if it's vicious, mean, uh, beyond, you know, playing around, snapping, talking shit, you know, it could have effect on kids. Um, and, uh, I I don't support it. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm glad that Steven Jackson, Mark Ruffalo, I mean, tons of people. Right. Have reached out to him. Um, what about, uh, well, we're, we're glad to, uh. Have first dibs at Danny Aiello. Yeah. Danny Aiello uh, reached out to him. And uh, 
here's the the audio of Daniello's invitation for this young fellow Keaton. Listen to me, Keaton. Listen to me. I'm going to come down to your fucking school in Tennessee. I'm going to take those little bully bastards down by the fucking belt. And I'm going to spank their bare fucking asses. I don't care if that's fucking illegal. You got a friend in me, Keaton. And then I'm going to take you to the house. We're going to have some fucking chicken. I'm going to make some fucking pasta. And then you're going to take me around the neighborhood. And we're going to find those bullying cocksuckers. I'm going to talk to their fucking fathers. I'm going to bring my fucking baseball bat with me. And if they get out of line, I'm going to fucking smash them fucking heads, Keaton. (laughs) Nobody's going to fuck with you. I'll break their fucking heads, Keaton. Uncle Danny's on the way. All right, so that's Danny Aiello uh, supporting this young kid in Tennessee, Keaton Jones. Uh, The craziest thing, and I don't know if this is true or not true or what the fuck is going on, but uh, since this whole video went viral, photos have come out of this kid's mom holding Confederate flags. I don't understand the bullying thing. I'm, I'm, I'm an old school guy. Uh, I was taught to deal with the bully directly. Directly. That's the only way he respects it. Yeah, you got to bust their head. Yeah, it's not like squealing. I understand we're in a new age, and this is how they get down. Hey, squeal. Everybody's like, oh, squealing, you're a rat. This isn't Goodfellas, asshole. Yo. This isn't The Departed. Oh, you're ratting. Motherfucker, you ain't Joe Pesci. That's what they're saying. Oh, now the kids are like, oh, this guy's just tattletale. Yeah, he's, he's, he's telling. He's a rat. No, these kids say he's a rat. Yeah, he's a rat. He's a snitch-ass like you're, you're like you're in a fucking mob. Yeah, man, so... The way I was taught was just like, yo, the bully, you got to go at the bully. He's going to leave you alone. But it's a different thing now. So it's good that people came to his uh, defense. Um, And, of course, the Iron Rapport Stereo podcast will be boots on the ground trying to get to the bottom of what's going on uh, with this kid, Keaton Jones' family. And I wish this kid good luck. And I hope this uh, story doesn't turn into some sort of uh, con job. Since we're on the subject of bullying, Zach Randolph of the Sacramento Kings bullied the NBA's bully. Oh, for what? what Boogie you- Cousins. He's like Mr. Fucking Tough Guy, Bully Guy. Always talking shit in people's faces. Well, he, he went back to play his old team, the Sacramento Kings. Right, right. And he tried to get on that slick shit with Zach Randolph. And Zach Randolph told him, where I come from in my hood, we bully the bullies. And Zach Randolph bust his ass, and they beat them. Good. I like Zach. I, I like Zach, too. The NBA needs to keep Zach Randolph around for as long as they can. The NBA needs guys like this. Guys who could play. Guys who play the old-fashioned way. Guys who play hard. And that deal with fucking guys like Boogie Cousins, who I like. But he's a fucking bully. <laughs> he's unfulfilled talent. He's not a team player. He's never going to win shit at this rate. Oh. Unless he, has a, unless he revamps his mind. And the way he looks at basketball. This guy loves to shoot. He, he just You could just tell he plays for himself. He doesn't make anybody around him better. And he's so talented. 
And I'm glad Zach Randolph was like, yo, what you want to do? Oh, it was like that. I mean, he basically looked him in his face. So where I come from, we bully the bullies. Oh, yeah. It was right in his grill. And yeah. Boogie Cousins didn't say shit. Yeah, you fucking with the, you, you barking up the wrong tree with this you, you dude. You could try that shit with Kevin Durant and yeah. all these little fucking other guys. Yeah. You ain't doing that shit. And then the following night, or the night after that, Ben Simmons dunked on fucking Boogie Cousins' ass and was looking at him like, fuck you want to do. Oh, because I think pe- I think people are like yo fuck this guy man. <laughs> yeah, why not? Go at him. And this is another case of bullying. The other night in the uh, the game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Seattle Seahawks it was coming to an end. There was a little skirmish at the end of the game, a little bullshit football skirmish. Uh, defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks, Quentin Jefferson who's 6'4", probably 300 pounds. He's a fucking beast. Uh-huh. He was walking off the field, and some Jacksonville fans threw beer on him. Then he walked over to him. You, you couldn't hear what he was saying, but he's probably like saying, I'm going to fuck you up. La, 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 la. This is a defensive end. Guy, the guy's not to be fucked with. They threw beer on him. He walked back over to him, and then while he was arguing there, and, and talking to him, somebody from behind him threw, threw more shit. He tried to get in the stands. Oh. And what I think the NFL should have did was like, oh, you're, you're a fan. Please come down to the field. You could, go, you could go to the 50-yard line and have two minutes alone with Mr. <laughs> Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. Well, yo, these guys, yo, they, they, the fans like that ruin it for the other fans. Yo, what kind of, you come to watch a sporting event, you're going to throw beer on the uh, uh, the people who playing, and then and then when he came out throwing more beer, right. like but hiding, and sh- they're lucky, yo, they're lucky this dude didn't get into the stands. This guy would have fucked the whole building up. Yo, it would have been some malice at the palace, part due. Do. <laughs> they should have let money come on the field. Very play. Oh, you want to say something, yeah. Tim? You want a shot at this guy? Come, come down here. Yeah. We're gonna walk you down here. Yo, it's just a game, man. Throwing beer and you talking pay, crazy shit to these these guys. Pay to watch the game. Enjoy the shit with your fam, your friends. Have fun. Why are you throwing shit at throwing people? Throwing shit at people. Damn. That's what you come there for? Yo, the other night there was a boxing match in Vegas. Did you see this shit? This boxer got his ear almost ripped off. It's disgusting. <laughs> Did you, did you didn't see this guy, Steven Smith? Shit was hanging how, off. How, how did I, I think he... it was just I think it was just like, you know, he got tangled oh. up or punched. And his shit looked like somebody took a scissor and cut into it. Now I infamously had my ear bit in 1989. Uh-huh. Look up my ear. Look up Michael Rappaport's left ear. It's mangled. But this guy's ear looks like crazy. Mm-hmm. Really, really vicious. Freak incident. I'm sure they could stitch it up, but it'll be fine. Uh, it didn't look like he lost any cartilage, but it, it, it definitely was a, a oh shit moment in yes. professional boxing. Um, this has happened a couple of times, apparently. There was a, uh, you know, when they're doing um, big press conferences for different things, they have um, police officers, like, will do a press conference or even at concerts, they'll have a, a, a sign language interpreters. Yeah. Now, apparently, uh, a police officer had been shot in Tampa Bay, Florida, and some woman posing as an actual sign language person 
was up there while the police chief was was explaining what happened in this case. She's up there playing fucking patty cake. Oh, how she get in? I don't know how she got in. I don't know. Like I don't even think. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Ooh wee. She she's like over there like doing like patty cake patty like she's doing hand patty cake signals like baseball signals. And then I, apparently someone who's deaf and uh, who speaks sign language like yo, the fuck is you saying, lady? <laughs> and she's busted. I think she got arrested. Good. Good. What the fuck is you doing? <laughs> what the fuck is you doing, lady? <laughs> what are you? Yo, that is bizarre, but... That that you want to do that. That that's something that you want to do. Right. It's I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast coming right up. Arizona Cardinal, all everything, all beast. Tyron Matthew. All right, my bookie Barstool presents Rough and Rowdy. It's going down on December 15th. And you could bet your ass I'm going to be betting on it. My bookie has the odds up on our main event fights. I am personally Team Handsome Hank. I'm looking forward to seeing him kick some ass. I'm pumped. It's going to be easy cash when Hanky Baby from part of my take takes it home. And it's coming just in time. The holidays are right around the corner. Well, that means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending. It also means there's a lot of football, basketball, and badass brawls you could score big on at my bookie. AG. Listen, where you bet, it's just as important as who you're betting on. Okay, and if you want to make money betting the games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. They are the only site that I recommend. And when I win, eh, I get paid out fast, real fast. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Okay, don't take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. They have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. So join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use the promo code RAPAPORT, R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code RAPAPORT. Trust me, if you're going to bet, the only way to do it is at MyBookie.ag. Tyron, it's Michael Rappaport. What's up, my guy? Ha <laughs> ha. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Can't complain, dog. Ah, uh, well, I appreciate you uh you coming on the podcast. I've been a big, big, big fan uh since you were in college, man. I, I love the way you play. I love your story. I, I just love your, your your whole deal, man. I appreciate that, man. How's everything going, man? You got a day off today? Yeah, yeah, I got the day off today, man. So, what, what what do you do on your days off? Like, like you guys d- during the season, you grind so hard. What, what do you do? Like, what, what is your day like today? Um, well, usually days after the game, uh, try to get a workout in uh, in the morning. Um, uh, watch film, watch the game, um, then just get some treatment, man. Get in the hot tub, cold tub. You know, get some massages, get a nice little stretch, and you know, that's that's pretty much it. When you say a workout, like after a game, I'm 47. You're, you're in your prime. You're, you're 25. Okay, you're 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 a beast. But like, what what kind of workout after a game are we talking about? We talking about we doing a little some jumping jacks, some burpees. What are we doing here? <laughs> nah, nah, it's just you know doing some light stuff. Uh, whether it be squatting, um, just box jumping, um, 
you know, uh, rolling out, obviously, um, getting on a bike, just stretching your legs out. Sometimes we do tempo runs. We'll run 100 yards. We'll do it about six or seven times just to kind of loosen our legs back up. Oh. Um, so it's, it's, more, it's more of a recovery workout I rather than you. actually going in there pumping, pumping the weight. Do players generally lift lift a lot of weights during the season, or is it like a – like how does that work? Um, well, you got your you got your gym warriors who like to work out three to four times a week, and then you know you got guys like me. Uh, I get about two lifts in a week. <laughs> who who's the biggest like who's the biggest gym warrior on your team? Like who's like like the goon of all goons when it comes to the weights? Oh, uh, Dayon Buchanan. He plays linebacker for us, and uh, he probably works out six days a week. <laughs> he's no joke. Yeah, yeah, he's no joke, man. All right. Well, you you, you know I, I like your team. I, you know I, I like uh, the coach. What, what what is he like, Arians? Is he cool? Yeah, he's cool, man. Um, you know, uh, you know he's straightforward. Um, you know, uh, uh, he's very direct. He's very blunt at times. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I think overall, you know, obviously he's a he's a pretty good offensive mind coach, and uh, you know he he's a good leader too. At the end of the day. And what about because you you've essentially played for two head coaches with with Les Miles. What, what about Les Miles? What was he like? What's the difference between Coach Miles and Bruce Arians? Um, well, like I, Bruce is more direct and very blunt. Um, you know he'll 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 call you out in the media for sure. Uh, and then Miles, he's you know uh, he he has his philosophy that he feels like works and he can win with uh but both of those guys are definitely player coaches so um you know even though they may have their differences um i think at the end of the day both of them are two great leaders and you know both of them really respect their players okay what do you think coach miles will, will wind up uh wind up somewhere what do you think is going to happen with uh the rest of his coaching career well i will, I will hope he will uh, end up somewhere uh you know i know for him you know, uh, LSU was such a great school, and you know he had he put the most players in the NFL. You know, over his time frame, you know, uh, you know being a being a head coach at LSU, so uh, it'll have to be the right situation for him. Um, that I, I feel like it'll have to be the right situation for him to, to come into. I don't think he's going to come into a position, you know, where he has to rebuild a a, a, a team. Um, I think he kind of has to, you know, inherit a good one. So. Uh, you know, I just I, I wish him the best though. Whatever he whatever he does, that's dope. Um, all right, so you're one of these dudes. Uh, you know, a lot of times when when we see you without your helmet before the game, which by the way, I wanted to ask you what your thought on this is. Like, you're one of the more well known dudes because uh, uh, you know people followed you in college and you're on the cover of magazines and all that stuff. I went to the New Orleans Saints practice the other day, and I, and I'm a big Saints fan. I'm a big NFL fan. Okay. Right. But when I got there, aside from Drew Brees, I wasn't able to pinpoint who was who. Guys didn't have their helmets on. They didn't. They just had like uh, New Orleans Saints T-shirts. Right. And and I realized I was like, you know, like even the stars, like Michael Thomas and you know Willie Sneed. Like the only reason why I was able to recognize Willie Sneed because he has the ponytail. <laughs> you know, and, and I was thinking like I was like I think that's kind of sucks for NFL players because. You could be a star in the NFL, but without your helmet on, you're almost you're almost easier to recognize in the NFL with your helmet on as opposed right. to without it on. Do, do you know what I'm saying? And, and I feel like it hurts you guys' ability to market yourself because you don't know who you are with, with, with the helmets off. 
Right. Um, yeah, I've had that conversation before in the past, and obviously, I mean, you know, we, we play a violent sport, so there's really nothing we could do about the the helmet issue. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's a lot of rules in the NFL, too. It's a lot of restrictions. You know, guys can't really express themselves. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's a team sport. and um, But, you know, obviously some guys have – you know, different ways of kind of expressing themselves or, you know, getting people to buy into them as an individual rather than them just being a part of a team. I, I was tripping out because I was like, is that Teddy Ginn? Who, you know, like, who, <laughs> I didn't know who was who, like, for like five or ten minutes. I was like, you know, and, I, and I'm like, I watch these dudes all the time, but when they just had right. the New Orleans Saints T-shirts on, I didn't know, you know, obviously you know Drew Brees, but it took me a minute, man. So yeah. New, New Orleans, you grew up there, you guys – there's so many athletes from there. You got De'Aaron Fox in the in the NBA. You, Odell Beckham. I mean, Eli. Why is there so many uh, athletes in the NBA and in the NFL from New Orleans? What is it about that city, about that state, Louisiana? Well, it's just you know, it's a it's, it's a gumbo pot, man, and mm. uh, it's so many different races and people, and uh, so many different people from different backgrounds and. Uh, it's so much talent, man, not even with sports, but, with, you know, with music and fashion and, you know, even the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so much talent down there, man. There's so much culture. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's a great place to, to grow up in, a great place to live. And, um, you know, I think if things were, were a lot better, just as far as educational systems and different things like that and, you know, different resources for kids, it'll be a lot more you know, talent coming out of there because, you know, um, it it was guys that I felt was just as good as me that that I grew up with and they didn't have the same opportunities or they didn't have the same resources or maybe they didn't have the same people guiding them throughout their life to to get to the point where I'm at now. Mm. So um, it's just so much talent down there, man. And, um, you know, know, one day you will want, you know, I, I think all of us, we want everybody to make it, but... Um, it's just so much talent down there. I mean, the music, I was going to say about the music, uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, historically from the soul and the jazz and all that, but, you know, you came up, I can't believe you're only 25 because I feel like you've been playing for so long. But New Orleans, you know, with, you know, with Wayne and Birdman, Manny Fresh and and Silk the Shocker, that that whole clique of people, who's your favorite musicians? Who's your favorite rappers from New Orleans? And and what does New Orleans hip-hop mean to you? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, New Orleans hip-hop was, was everything, you know, and I think Lil Wayne is probably my favorite rapper to, to come from out of New Orleans. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us younger guys, especially my age, you know, we tend to say that Lil Wayne raised us because, mm. you, know, um, you know, the music that he was putting out when we was growing up definitely got us through hard times. I remember when he dropped, uh, what was it, Carter, the Carter Two. Or maybe it was a Carter one during Hurricane Katrina. Uh-huh. So a lot of his music got us through hard times. And I, I even remember being a kid, man, and um I had moved with my uncle and my aunt. Um, they had adopted me and I had moved with them to the east side of New Orleans. And Lil Wayne and them would come through, you know, in all these foreign cars and Rolls Royces and Bentleys, you know, and they would hop out the car, no shirt on. You know, jeans sagging and, you know, us as kids, we never was around superstars. Mm. And just to see those guys in the neighborhood, you know, hanging on the corner and, you know, driving good fly cars and having all these chains on. So all those things kind of kept us, that kept us motivated. 
yo, that is dope, man. You you yeah. got to see those guys like when when how how old were you? How old were they? Man, I, I'm I'm 25. Uh, Lil Wayne has to be what 31, 32. Um, so I had to be around 10, 11 years old. And this is this is right when you know he had started the squad up, mm. that squad up click, and all those guys would be out there. And you will see BG, mm-hmm. you will see Juvenile, you will see those guys at, at the pole boy shop getting the pole boy. So <laughs> there was just regular, there was just regular guys, man. And um, they just made it cool to. To, to not only have success, but to, you know, to always, you know, uh, remember where they came from. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. How old were you when Katrina hit? That was, how old were you? I was in the eighth grade. Um, yeah, I was in the eighth grade. Uh, I was 12 years old, 13 years old. What do you remember about, like, that time? Like, did it affect you? Well, you know, I was I was a kid. And so, you know, for me, Every year, right? Because growing up in New Orleans, every every year you have this possibility of, you know, a hurricane hitting. And for us, it was just free time off of school, so you know we didn't have to go to school. But um, right, obviously it was, uh, especially with Katrina, because it, it definitely impacted us. Because not like a lot of the other hurricanes that just kind of blew over us, and it was just wind and rain. Katrina actually affected us. So, um, you know, I, I, I lost all my childhood pictures, trophies, um, memorabilia. Um, basically, anything that I couldn't take with me, um, it was lost. So um, I definitely had, Katrina definitely took a lot of memories, you know, away from me and away from a lot of other people. Damn, man. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What are you listening to currently? Like, what is like some of the shit that you're rocking before the game to get hype? Um, you know, uh, I listen to Lil Wayne. Um, uh, I, I love the Carter Three. Um, that's probably my favorite album he did. Um, uh, I, I love Juvenile album, Four Hundred Degrees. Um, I sometimes some before some games, I usually just put Ghetto Children on repeat, and uh-huh. you, you know that's that's pretty much the song I listen to the the entire uh, pregame. And uh, obviously, Young Jeezy. Um, I love his music as well. So um, those will probably be the three guys that, you know, I probably listen to the most before a game. Have you gotten to meet those guys since, you you know, you started playing, you know, since you were at LSU and playing in the pros? Yeah, I've, I've met Benal before. Um, I've, talked on a, I've talked on the phone with Lil Wayne uh, a bunch of times because I'm, I'm really cool with Mac Main, who was pretty much his right-hand man. And, uh-huh. um I even I remember when I was in college, man. Uh, Lil Boosie, Lil Boosie had just went to jail, and this was right when the Honey Badger kind of that whole thing kind of took off, and he would write uh-huh. and he would write me letters from jail, and I thought that oh, was shit. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So, you know, he wanted me to hold down Baton Rouge until he got out of jail. So, uh, you know, I hope I did a good job of that. <laughs> Now nah, you, you you did a good job, man. I mean, you you did a great job, and and you know, like I said, you know, I've been a fan of yours for a while, but it's like you start to think like I thought like twenty eight, twenty, you know, twenty nine, twenty five. I mean, you're so fucking young, yeah. And you've done so much, and you've already had such a good career, and like to be twenty five is crazy. But like you know, when the stuff was going on at LSU and the suspension and all that, mm-hmm. but since you've gotten into the pros, like you don't hear anything about you except for getting busy on the football field. When you see young guys, whether it's in the NFL or the NBA, you know, sort of like everything happening so fast and them getting into trouble so young, do you ever reach out to these? Because you seem like you'd be such a good mentor, even though you're 25 to to these guys. Yeah, I've tried to reach out to a few guys. Um, 
over the past uh, couple years. Uh, you know, guys like Johnny Manziel or, you know, a lot of guys that people may not even know about. So um, for me, man, it was it was such a learning process for me. Just, you know, obviously coming from what, coming from where I'm from and the culture that I came from. And, you know, uh, a lot of things were cool and a lot of things were, they were, they were justified. And then, you know, once you cross over uh, into being a, a celebrity or, you know, having success, then the things that were cool and justified then, they, they, they aren't cool and justified now. So mm-hmm. I just had to basically, you know, I, for one, you know, it's a lot of people out there that's going to try to beat you down and, try to you know you know put negative things on you so for me i just had to take a step back and kind of reflect and then really mm-hmm. half of the battle for me was shifting you know my thought process you know so and i think that's what a lot of guys struggle with now it's just their thought process i don't think that i don't think that they're bad people you know mm-hmm. i think that their thought process is just messed up and you know um if they could just correct their thoughts you know a lot of times it'll save them from you know getting into a lot of trouble well, what do you mean thought process? Like, what do you mean? Well, you know, um, sometimes it's cool to just stay inside. You know, you don't have to go out and, and be out. And out. Or if you have a big game, you don't have to go celebrate every time. You don't have to go get drunk. You don't have to get mm-hmm. high. Um, you know, um, if bad bad things are going to happen in your life, and that's okay. You know, it, it, you know, so don't get too down and don't feel like, you know, I know for me personally, every time something bad happened to me, whether it was a bad game or whether it was, you know, family issues or whatever it was, relationship problems, I would always go smoke because mm-hmm. that was kind of my way of forgetting about it and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, sitting it to the side. And so, you know, if you could just correct your thoughts, like, you know, bad things are going to happen, but it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of times I thought it was the end of the world. You know, I break up with a girlfriend or my mom is mad at me or this person need money or I got to be here. I got to be there. You know, so a lot of people pulling at you. You think you think it's, you know, it's all bad. So if you could just correct your thought process a lot of times, man, a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, wouldn't it it doesn't really matter. I I hear you. I hear you. I, I respect that. Did you grow up playing basketball? Man, I, I I played every sport growing up, man. I played baseball, basketball, football. Um and I think I think that I think that really kept me out of a lot of trouble as well growing up. Just going from sport to sport, always having something to do. Um, I think that I think that kinda helped me out as well. What what's your second favorite sport besides football? Baseball. Okay. So what yeah. so what's your team? Um, I actually I don't have a MLB team. Um I don't have a favorite MLB team. I don't, um, but I do work out with um, uh, Scherzer. So he works. Okay. He works out here in Arizona. So um, shout out to the uh, Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> that that's dope. All right. And so David Johnson is this guy coming back playing football this year? I hope so, man. Um, I'm not sure, you know, uh, where he's at right now, or you know, what the what the what the doctors want from him. Uh, what the, or even if they're clear him or not, um, uh, I just know he's a beast, man. And, um, you know, I think him with one hand is better than a lot of running backs in the league. So um, I think if it's a good situation for him, um, I think they'll definitely let him come back. Uh, when did you know, like, that he was special? Like, you, you see players come in, you see players come out. You know, your defense, you, you guys, Patrick Peterson, you guys, there's so much – 
talent, and you, you know you've played against so many talented people. But as a teammate, when did you realize that 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 he was special? I realized that his rookie year, man. Um, we were in training camp, and they lined him up at wide receiver, and this dude, this dude ran a route as good as you know Larry Fitzgerald, and. I mean that's that's tough to do and that's tough to say, you know, a lot of times. But and you know just how smooth he was in his route, um, how he caught the ball effortlessly. Um, I said I knew this guy was going to be special. Um, so that was probably the first time we all said, "Wow, mm. this guy could probably help us." And you said Fitzgerald. Now he's like sixty six now, <laughs> sixty six. I don't know, sixty five, sixty six years old. And and you know everyone always talks about like you hear about his his work ethic and his consistency in practice. What is it like, uh, you know, having Larry Fitzgerald as a teammate? It's cool, man. Um, you know, uh, you know he does great things in the community. Um, you know, uh, you know he has a solid foundation, and you know um, he's one of those guys, man, that that has done it for for a long period of time. And you know, uh, you have to respect that. And you know. Um, uh, it, it's it's good for me because you know when I was a rookie I had to I had to guard him, and you know I think he definitely I think he definitely helped me out you know especially you know in practice and in training camp just having to compete with him I've been competing with him for the last five years so you know he's definitely helped me out a lot man. And is Patrick Peterson the best cornerback in the in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. To me, to me, there's no doubt. Um, you know, uh, you know, from his physical attributes and you know his size and his speed, all those things speak for himself. But you know, um, just the just the jobs that we give him to do, you know, covering you know top flight wide receivers, you know, week in and week out, and you know, even this year, you know, covering Mike Evans and you know Doug Baldwin's and um, you know DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, he would have had a chance to to cover Odell as well if he, before he went down with his injury. So, um, you know, uh, we, we put a lot on his plate as far as, you know, him covering number one wide receiver, you know, basically without any help. What makes him so good? Is he just like feet? He's a big dude too, yeah, right? Like yeah. what, why is he so good? He's gotten so better, you know. Um, you know, early on I think it was just him trying to, you know, just run faster and jump higher than, than a wide receiver did. And now uh-huh. he's he's taking his craft to a next level. Uh, you know, he understands how, you know, teams want to attack him and he understands how to watch film and, you know, uh, you know, he knows how to switch certain things up so it never looks the same. So uh-huh. uh, he just makes it a he, – he makes it tough on, on, on quarterbacks and, you know, also the receivers he's guarding. And all these these guys, I mean, it's been a it's been a, a fucked up year yeah. for injuries throughout the league. You know, from Odell to Aaron Rodgers to JJ Watt. I mean, it's every single week. You know, it, it's been like a big big name. You know, that's gone down. You had that knee injury. What do these guys have in front of them that they're gonna have to do? Like like how excruciating is that rehab? It's tough, man. Especially you know when you're when you're one of the best at what you do. And you suffer an injury, a severe injury, um, you know. And I, in my mind, and in a lot of guys' mind who who are at the top of their game, you know, it, it sets you back mentally. Not as mm. much, not as much physically. Um, physically, you'll come back from it. Physically, you'll you'll heal. 
But mentally, you know, you, you question yourself whether or not you could get back to a certain level of play, you know, because all those guys you just named, they all set a standard for themselves. So, right. you know, uh, like Odell, he can he can catch 90 balls, you know, next year and have a thousand yards. But who would everybody would say it was a bad year for him. So, you know, right. he, he set such a high standard. And I think that's the hardest part, you know, setting a standard of play and then trying to come back after a, a severe injury, you know, and meet those same standards. So that'll be the toughest part for him. But, um, you know, like I said, man, you surround yourself around good people, people that are very positive, people that encourage you, um, people that believe in you mostly, um, you know, uh, any, anything is possible. Who who's the biggest? And I, from from what I gather, uh, you guys on the defense, particularly the, the DBs, the safeties, are the biggest trash talkers. <laughs> Who on the offensive side talks the most? Are you are you a shit talker? Do you talk a lot? Well, you know, it, it depends. It depends, man. I've, are you I've... a shit talker starter? <laughs> like, do you do you instigate? Because you like, I imagine you might. You, you're not going to not talk, but are you an instigator? Are you a no, shit talking no, 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 no. instigator? No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not instigator. But I'll I, I finish it, though. <laughs> okay, so so on the offensive side, as far as the receivers, the tight ends, or whatever, who who are the guys that you've played with over in your career that have talked the most shit the receivers? I've played with Jarvis Landry in college. He talks he talks shit all day long. I've played with Jermaine Gresham, who's on my team right now. He's a tight end. All he wants to do is fight. All, every, he wants to actually fight. Yeah, all he wants to do is fight and see who here he gets in. So uh, those two guys definitely, definitely stick out the most. And, and speaking of fighting, this fight that happened the other day with uh, the Raiders and the uh, the Broncos. Now, I don't know if I've ever seen you actually get into a fight, but like to me, football fights are the dumbest fights ever. Because listen, you you can't. I mean, if you're gonna fight, you want to fight. W- when you saw that. Because I, I think you were playing at the same time. Yeah. What did you think of that? Is that, is that crazy? <clears throat> yeah, I thought I, I thought it was crazy, man. Um, uh, you know, obviously it, it's stupid as well too. I mean, everybody has helmets on. What if I, what if I break my hand or you know break a finger? So, um, you know, uh, football football is physical enough, man. You know, right. like you know, all you got to do is line up the next play and just, you know, you got free range to do anything but hit the guy in the head. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I'll take it there before I before I decide to, to fight. And then, you know, uh, those two guys are superstars on their team. You know, their, their team needs them. So um, I don't think it was a good idea. Um, you never want to see two guys, two of your best guys on your team, go down for something that they could avoid. And obviously those guys have a long history. And, you know, I don't think any of us could kind of say anything to – to make those guys just like each other again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, w- w- what is it about Michael Crabtree? Because listen, all I know is Michael Crabtree from when he was with the Niners and he's with yeah. the with the Raiders, and and I have him on my fantasy football team. And and at times he's been a fantastic fantasy football player. Why is he driving everybody crazy? Richard Sherman, he, he inspired him to craziness. Yeah. Talib, uh, Talib thinks he's a fucking chain snatcher. I don't know what the hell his promise. What is it about Michael <laughs> Crabtree that people you like? You guys are the DBs. You yeah. guys are in the backfield. What what is, what is it? about him that's driving everybody nuts crabtree actually talks he, he talks a lot of stuff okay and and i played i played against him when he was in san fran and 
you know, uh, I've played against him the last couple of years. We've, we've had those guys in the uh, preseason as well. And mm. so he, he talks a lot of smack, man. And, uh, you know, Tlaib is, Tlaib is one of those guys, you know, if he, if he wasn't playing football, you know, uh, you know, he'd probably be doing something else you know, in his life. But, uh, you know, I don't think I got he, you. You know, he ain't one of those guys you just want to pick a fight with. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what those guys got going on. Okay, all right. So Crabtree's not innocent in all this. No, nah, no, nah, I don't think so, no. Nah. All right, when you look at your career, with your rookie season, what was your first, I can't believe I'm in the NFL moment, whether you were, like, guarding somebody, you know, like, walked by a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Like, what was it that <laughs> you were, like, I'm, I've made it, like, I, like sort of a surreal, out-of-body thing, like, all your years of the work you put in, all the ups and downs, yeah. all the grinding. Like, what's the, what's the memory that you were kind of like, holy shit? I, I I would have to say, man, you know, going playing in New Orleans, man, going back to my hometown mm. and, and playing in the Super Bowl and playing in front of hundreds of friends, man. And then actually accepting the quarterback I grew up watching. Mm. So, you know, picking off Drew in the Superdome and from my family and friends, you know, I think that's that that was the moment for me to to start my career, um, and I mean it was it was special, man. I could imagine. All right, listen, man, I'm gonna let you go. I'm I'm such a fan. Appreciate I really it. appreciate you uh you, you coming on the podcast, and uh, I wish you a, a healthy season. I wish you uh, a continued healthy career, and keep doing your thing and keep inspiring people. And uh, like I said, man, I'm I'm just a huge fan. I've been a huge fan since you were at LSU, man. Yeah, big fan of yours too, man. Keep it going. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And hopefully I get to meet you in person soon. Okay, cool. Sounds good, man. All right, cool, man. Have a great week. Have a great healthy season. All right, you too. Thank you. All right, cool. All right, yo, the Christmas time is here, and the only way to celebrate correctly is wearing an ugly-ass cat-killer Christmas sweatshirt. You could get all the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast t-shirts, sweatshirts, and whatever else you need at store.barstoolsports.com. That's store.barstoolsports.com. We have the Sucka Shit t-shirt, the You Fuck You t-shirt, the world-famous Cat Killer t-shirt, and ugly Christmas sweatshirt. Go to store.barstoolsports.com now for all I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast gear. Eli. Here it is. You see this dumb fuck uh, who blew himself up in, in time in Port Authority? I just saw that, and I'll be real with you. Like, I don't even want to. Like, if somebody, I'm going to probably have to write about it, and I don't want to get ahead of it. I don't know anything like everybody else. Yeah, no, I don't. CNN know, doesn't I, know anything. No, no one knows anything. The, the only thing I do know, and, and, you know, there's no jokes about it, is that the bomb yeah. went off when he had it on him. Dumb fuck. That's the only thing I know. And and I'm glad it went off, and he was the only one injured, apparently. So good, you dumb fuck. Yes, we can say that. But, like, it's you know how it is. It's one of those things where everybody's going to have a million opinions, and nobody knows shit until, you know, we have to wait a couple hours as we figure out what the hell's going on there. Absolutely. So what I wanted you to break down, Eli, because um, you are the unofficial official political correspondent, the roving reporter the roving international reporter uh, of the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. 
Um, I'm Jewish. You're Jewish. And and I'll say this before I I, I want you to, to explain Israel and the reason why I want you to sp- explain Israel is because obviously it's been talked about it's uh it's confusing it's historical um, there's so much history I want you to do it in layman's terms but I'll say this the one the one person who I know who I actually consider a friend the two people they're a couple they're Jewish and their excuse for voting for Donald Trump. Um, and it, it, it breached our friendship. I mean, our friendship hasn't been the same since uh, when, when I found out that they were so so uh, standing behind Trump uh, about a year ago was that uh, they said, oh, he's going to do so good for Israel. Um, and I was like, I didn't believe it, whatever. So I want you to just explain to me um, this this Israel and, and the capital being Jerusalem and, and, and just, you know, contextualize it and, and, and what's real, what's not real, the good and the bad. All right, man. I'm happy to do that. All right. Break it down, Eli. All right. So first things first, um, you know, as as the listeners of the pod know, I mean, we were both pretty Trump uh, up to the election. I certainly was writing it. I'm no Trump fan. But when he does something that I agree with, I do think it's important to just sort of note that. Um, right. Even though he's in the middle of doing a bunch of things I don't agree with. But on this one... I think it's long overdue. And here's some context. I mean, first of all, anyone, I mean, I think the Jewish listeners would know this, but, you know, if you don't, I mean, Jerusalem is so important to the Jewish religion that in every uh, Seder, which is the dinner, the meal during Passover, we say next year in Jerusalem. Um, It is the uh, initial sort of birth. it It is the location of the original Jewish kingdom, that's not obviously, uh, that's long in the past, and we shouldn't get too hung up on that. But there is a special connection to that city and the Jewish people, which in my view, and I'm Jewish, so I'm going to come out of this from a, from, a, from a particular perspective, is a stronger bond than Christians have to the city or Muslims have to the city, even though I don't deny that they have that bond. And so in that respect, it's important when the world recognizes, and the most powerful country in the world, the United States, recognizes that Jerusalem is indeed the capital of Israel. That said, it is deeply controversial because there, you know, until 1967, or I should say between 1948 and 1967, the city of Jerusalem was divided between west and east. And the eastern part of the city had the remains of the outer wall of the second temple, um, which is important, very important to Jewish people, but it also had something known as Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is very important for Muslims, which is the place that they believe that Muhammad ascended into heaven uh, in a dream. And uh, therefore, it has been, there has been since 1967, which is when the Six-Day War happened, and Israel reunified that city, there has been an arrangement with a Jordanian group known as the Waqs, to administer these holy sites in such a way that Muslims can pray at Al-Aqsa Mosque and Jews will pray, obviously, at the remains of the Second Temple. And so far, there have been scares, but it's been okay. Now, over the summer, there there was an attack in this area, and uh, in response, and this was an attack, by the way, from Israeli Arabs, in response, the Israelis floated the idea, which they never followed through on, of putting metal detectors 
into the entrance of the area of Al-Aqsa Mosque. And this, and by the way, there are metal detectors in Mecca. There are metal detectors in other holy Islamic sites, but this was then used as an excuse to have three days of rage from the Palestinians and the Israelis backed off. And this gets to the reason why I think what Trump did was the right thing, because if you look at the propaganda of the Palestinians and other more extreme Muslims, they talk about the idea of liberating Jerusalem, which by what they mean is kicking the Jews out of the city. And that, I think, is encouraged when you have a policy of official neutrality from the United States and other Western countries. And what Trump did was he said, listen, we recognize Jerusalem as the capital. We will have plan. We're starting the plans now to finally move the embassy. I should say that every presidential candidate, even at one point Barack Obama, though he kind of was on both sides of it, has promised to do this since Ronald Reagan. And there has been a law in place since 1995 that's called the Jerusalem Embassy Act, which most members of Congress have voted for and endorsed. Um, so in the U.S., it's not that controversial. And so what Trump did is said, we're finally going to implement that law. But he did not. He then made sure to say carefully in his statement, which is a rare moment where he has embraced a kind of nuance, that none of this precludes the final status agreement between the Palestinians and the Israelis. So, so he what says does that, that mean? What does that little detail mean? What that mean? means is that, the, that whatever happens to the final status of Jerusalem, both sides need to agree to it. That's a very important principle. He's not asserting that the Palestinians will get no, no claim to Jerusalem. He's saying, for now, it is the capital of Israel. And even if you just said it was West Jerusalem, which is probably where the embassy will be, I mean, the Palestinians never really had a claim to West Jerusalem. It was always about East Jerusalem. But he's saying we still support not only a peace process, but we support the principle that the city of Jerusalem will be determined by negotiations between both parties. So that has remained consistent. Well, let, let, let me ask you, let me ask you that, one question without, without losing your train yeah, of sure. thought. How does Donald Trump or any American president get to articulate that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. How do we get that say as like no other, no other uh, leader of, of any other country could say, well, well, you know what? Missouri is the capital of the United States. How do we, how does he get to sort of anoint that? Well, it's because Jerusalem has been a disputed city. Even in 1948, when the modern state of Israel is born, the original idea was for the city of Jerusalem to be a kind of special zone that would be administered by the United Nations. It's always been, because it's so important to the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians, that there has always been this idea, at least since 1948, since modern times, you could say, that there would be, that it would be a special sort of zone. And I don't believe that. I'm a Zionist. I'm, I believe that Israel is the one Jewish state in the world, and its capital should be Jerusalem. But I also, like I'm sure most of the listeners, think that there should be a what's called a two-state solution. There should be a Palestine and an Israel, and there should be an arrangement where both sides can negotiate a kind of peace where they share the city in some ways. But as I said, we're a long way from that. But because of that concern, it's such a tinderbox and it's a, such a disputed city that it is, a, in very, it's a, it is one of those things where it's a very big deal that the United States would recognize Jerusalem as the capital because it breaks more than 70 years of precedent where we said we're going to leave that until the 
end of the negotiations. That will be something that will be, we will do our recognition of, of Jerusalem when there's a peace between Israel and the Palestinians. And that's a long way away. So my argument, and I'm, I'm in the minority here among people who do foreign policy, uh, kind of journalism and stuff in Washington, is that this is actually good for the peace process because it can help. You don't want to give, you, you want to let the Palestinians understand that they're, they're not going to be able to kick Jewish people out of Jerusalem, that that's not a realistic goal, and that this becomes such an important part of almost the kind of political culture, especially in recent years. Um, in 2000, when there was a second intifada, it was an intifada for Al-Aqsa, the mosque that we talked about. Um, you know, we've, we've recently seen a sort of spate of these horrible sort of stabbing attacks in Israel in the last couple of years, and it's all been part of a sort of Jerusalem intifada. All of that is because I think the, leader, the Palestinian leaders, including uh, the more moderate one, Mahmoud Abbas, have played this cynical game where they treat Jerusalem as this rallying cause, and they do, they're not preparing their population to ultimately share that city. So what I think that Trump has done, even though we can all agree that Trump fucks up on a number of things all the time, is that he has, in a carefully worded statement, said, we're not giving up on the peace process, but you Palestinians need to give up on this idea that you're going to get to keep all of Jerusalem one day, because that's just not going to happen. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what's going to happen? I mean, I know you're not a a fortune teller. You're a smart guy with an opinion and an insight. Where do we go from here? What's going to happen now? Well, there there have been, there has been unrest. There has been riots. Um, as the Palestinian leadership and many others predicted, but I believe that it will die down, and eventually the Palestinians will recognize that they have an opportunity, and, and there have been other things that are going on in, in the region that are unique. Um, traditionally, not to get too deep on this, but the, the Israelis had a policy of the, what's kind of a foreign policy known as the periphery, which is that the founder of modern Israel, David Ben-Gurion, believed that he would never be able to have any kind of peace with the the center of the Arab world, like Saudi Arabia, and that instead he would need to build relationships with Turkey, Iran, Ethiopia, countries that are on the periphery of the Middle East. Now, the irony is that today the Saudis are working very closely with the Israelis because they fear Iran. And that, I think, has also opened up new opportunities. There was a story in the New York Times which I think was mainly true, as my sources have said, is mainly right. I mean, there's been some disputes on this, that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia had summoned in November uh, the leader of the Palestinians, Mahmoud Abbas, and said, you need to take a deal that's going to be offered soon in this peace, peace process. That's the opposite of where the Saudis were uh, when the last time you know someone really seriously tried to do this, which was Bill Clinton, in the 1990s, they were, you know, they, they did not really put pressure on the, the Palestinian leader at the time, Yasser Arafat, to take a two-state deal. And that, I think, is, is, is another significant issue, I and mean, we'll see what happens. But there may be some opportunities now, because, you know, also, you know, you look at, you look around, it's like, it's very hard to make the argument that the biggest problem for Arab states right now is Israel. In fact, it's clearly not. I mean, look at Syria, look at Yemen. The country, the whole region is really in a state of chaos and war. Mm. And there's a deep, there's a bigger things going on than Israel. So that may be, you know, the opportunity to finally get 
uh, this elusive peace deal. I mean, I know I'm never hold your breath on this because it always right. ends up not happening. But that's the one thing is things are really changing now. Is Donald Trump or Jared Kushner are they the people? Are they the you know modern day you know geniuses that are gonna that are gonna pull this off? I am not holding my breath. I, but but I thought his statement on Jerusalem, the way he said it, was it exceeded my expectations. How about that? <laughs> All right, what else you got, Eli? What else is pending? What's the most pertinent thing in United States world affairs uh, going on in the world? Like, w- what else is like sort of like burning, concerning uh, that you could educate, educate me and some of the listeners on? Well, we've talked about North Korea before. Um, you know, my my view is that um, it's not worth a war. We don't want them to get a nuclear weapon, obviously. But I don't think that they're going to give it up through negotiations. So we've talked about that before. But that I think is moving forward, and will. And I don't. I think that the Trump administration's gamble that they thought that they could make friends with China, and the Chinese would pressure the North Koreans, that's over. So that ups the prospects of it. But I don't think we're going to have. I don't think that Trump is going to launch military strike in North Korea. But you'll still that'll pop up again. Um. And then, I mean, I think we hit on the, the Jerusalem thing, which is sort of the latest thing in the Middle East, but the bigger question in the Middle East is kind of getting back to Israel and your friends who said they voted for Trump because he's going to be so good for Israel. Well, I mean, Trump has not yet agreed to do anything to stop the Iranians from taking over territory conquered from ISIS in Syria. That's the biggest national security concern for Israelis. I have spoken to senior Israeli types who've told me, they're very concerned about it. The Israelis are, are interesting because they don't, the, the government does not publicly criticize Trump the way some of the European states do. Um, but they're really worried about that. And it's something to watch. Um, is, will the U.S. try to come up with any way to keep the Iranians at least out of Syria? And I don't know if they, so far, they have, Trump has not come up with anything on that. Um, and one way to look at Trump is that he sometimes sounds buck wild like he says he sounds very militarist and bellicose and he is as probably as close to sort of obama as you know we can imagine in terms of the idea that he doesn't want to send u.s soldiers anywhere so he does things that are tough sounding but he's not really i mean he but he was very reluctant to keep u.s soldiers in afghanistan where they're probably needed at this point in my mm. view it, was, it took him forever to agree to that, mm. um, and he he so so that's that's an interesting contrast with George W. Bush mm. and the traditional view of Republicans. All right, yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, I appreciate this, Eli. I appreciate the fair uh, 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 contextualization of everything you said um, because you know we've been uh, obviously up until the election, the highs and lows of the Trump. So I think that was fair. Um, Eli Lake, the unofficial, official, roving international reporter. You see, you see how your your tag has gotten longer. I get it. it. I love it. Hey, can I ask you something? Go ahead. NBA East is back. Yes. Do you think my Sixers can get to the second round in the playoffs? Yes. I mean, it, it, it's all a matter of who matches up with who. Um, and who's hot and who's not injured. But I think that the Sixers, you know, Ben Simmons is 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 the real deal. I think he's going to continue to 
uh, gain confidence and, and continue to, to, to rack up numbers. Robert Covington is, is a sleeper player uh, because, you know, obviously it's Joel Embiid um, and the young kid. What's the kid, the rookie who's injured? Um, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz, who's sort of been, you know, inactive for the most of the season. Um, but but Covington is is a is a is a really good player. Robert Covington, obviously Embiid. If they stay healthy and they keep gaining confidence, and, and you know, and JJ, JJ Redick, I don't think has really found his his. Uh, I don't think they're using him correctly, and they have twenty three million reasons why they need to use him correctly. He's getting paid twenty three million dollars. I absolutely think they could get to the second round. Um, I I know what you mean about uh, the East being back because the the Sixers, uh, Knicks. And and the Celtics. I feel the Knicks are like, even though the Knicks are like what eleven and eleven. I mean, they're like Kristaps, the Latvian gangbanger, as you dubbed him. Yep. Is he's looking like a low key maybe? I mean, I I think LeBron's the MVP right now, but but with, with the exception of LeBron, I think you could argue Kristaps is having that kind of year. Kristaps is having that kind of year. Kyrie's having that kind of year. Um, I think OKC as of now is 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 a mess. James Harden is a freak, uh, although I can't stand watching him play. Uh, I, I feel like he's one of the most reluctant passers ever, but 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 he's he's still so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, there's no reason why the Sixers, if, if they get in the right spot and they get into, you know, they they need to they need to get out of the eighth seed because if they have to match up against Cleveland uh, or or Boston, it's going to be tough. Um, and and it's all about about the matchups and all about the injuries because you know like Embiid you know and Kristaps they're so freaking big they're so tall and every time they go to the ground it's just crazy because uh, 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 the, their careers so far have have so many injuries so I definitely think both of those guys are uh, potential uh, uh, both of those teams are potential they could definitely get out of the first round it ain't going to be easy because because you got Cleveland and, and Boston are, they're rolling but uh, the future is bright in Philly. It's always sunny in yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I like, I like it. It's, it's, it reminds me of, I mean, we're like the same age. It reminds me of, like, growing up, the NBA, the Eastern Conference used to be a power conference. Yep. It used to be the place and to it, be. It feels like it's coming back because, I mean, unless, who knows, because your owner in the Knicks there is an idiot, but if they hold on to Chris Stapps and they build around him, he's not going anywhere. The Knicks are going to be good for a long time. No, they're 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 not they're not letting him go. There's no way they're going to let him go. He, he's he's a he, he, the thing I love about him the most, um, uh, amongst all the obvious things, he gets and understands what it means to play in New York. Like like he gets it. It's a little bit different to play in New York. It's a little bit different to play in places uh, like L.A. Um, and he gets it. He understands the crowd. He understands what the crowd wants. He understands the hustle. He understands just the tenacity of the fans and and how they could you know sort of slip and slide and and, and you know ebb and flow with you. And I think he understands that. And the fans love him. And uh, um, he's embraced New York, and New Yorkers have embraced him. So it's exciting. We're not there yet. The Knicks ain't there yet. The Sel- the Sixers ain't they need, there yet. They need a good. They need a good like point guard. They need somebody who can distribute the ball and you know take some of the burden off him. But they're they, they got the big the big piece exactly. Um. So so it's exciting. So we'll see, man. What happens? All right, man. Happy holidays to you and the I am Rappaport, and congratulations to all your success. I mean, it's really great to see it because I mean, it's you're blowing up, man. It's great. Ha, ha, ha. I appreciate it, Eli. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, and I appreciate the insight and the information, my man. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you. All right, Eli.
All right, there you have it. Fair, hard-hitting journalism from the roving international reporter of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, my man Eli Lake. You can look him up online at Eli Lake Bloomberg News. And uh, we'll be right back. I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let me hear some funk. All right, we're back to I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, where the shit talking is free. Thank you, my man Tyron Math. That was a dope ass interview. The Honey Badger. Yep. Appreciate him coming on the show. We got yo, we got a whole bunch of dope guests lined up. Yo, we're flip flopping, we're flipping around, doing shit. We got Method Man DeCal, mm. Ice T, Colored, T.O. Terrell Owens, Terrell, Terrell. Wanda Sykes is coming on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Mm. Jessica Alba is coming on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Philadelphia 76er Robert Covington's coming on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Charlemagne the God is coming on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. The hits just keep on coming. If you're enjoying a guest, keep rocking. If you're not enjoying your guest, you want to go to the next segment, press the 15-second forward button. We're doing the damn thing. No compromises. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Um, what else you got, Moody? Oh, yeah, man. I was reading, you know, Pink. She said uh, she's raising her, she's proud to be raising her children in a label-less household. So there's no labels. There's no male. There's no female. And what, do, what do you call a vagina? They you can't ha- call it a penis. They haven't come up with one yet, like a term for it. Well, for well if you don't label the vagina, the vagina, and the penis, the penis, when right. the, the boy or the girl, and I'm sure she's a great mom. Of course. When the boy or the girl says, what is this? What do you say? That's, that's where I was perplexed, too. Do you say, what do you say? Is, do you, you, like, how far does the non-labeling right. go? But a, a, I, I was thinking this, a can of tomato soup. Without a label, it's still a can of tomato soup, no matter what you decide to call it. That's a good point. You open it up. It doesn't have a label, but it's red. It's it's tomato soup. (laughs) Don't bullshit yourself. Ham and cheese is a ham and cheese. A ham and Swiss. See? That's a ham and Swiss. Right. No matter what you say, you could call it. (laughs) You could call it whatever you want. You could call it a wrench. If you want. It's still a ham and cheese. Some people call their loaf a pipe. Some but we people. all know it starts as a penis. Yeah. Yeah. Or a vagina. Kids want answers. What is this, mom? Yeah. What yeah, what are you gonna call that? That's a good point. And what are these two fucking things underneath? Right. My seeds. Your balls. Sack. Gotta come up with the answers. <laughs> You know, some people say, oh, you guys, let's, let's Trump talk. We don't talk about Trump yeah, every we single finished. week. But we finished. But we, we didn't finish, though. We, 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 we're, we're never going to be totally finished. He dictates if we talk about it, right? Yeah. His behavior. I, I woke up Saturday morning early, and the president was at the Civil Rights Museum opening, and he was slurring his words again. Oh, this get- was Sunday at 11, 10 a.m. He was down there. There was protests at the Civil Rights Museum because the man has done nothing to bring people together. 
And he, was, he wasn't doing one of his get high pep rallies like he did a couple of nights before in Florida. Right. Where he's rocking and rolling and riffing. He was reading off cue cards as if it was the last thing and last place he wanted to be at. Of course. Of course. He didn't want to be there. You know that. And you can't. Yo. Yo. This not, that's not his base. He didn't want to be there. Uh-uh. Like he should have said white Mike Pinson to do it. He's like, these people didn't put me in office. The night before, two nights before, he was uh, down in Florida. And he said, oh, they look at the, the, the blacks. He refers to them as the blacks. <laughs> that's what they need. That's what we need. Somebody like that. No, no, no sugarcoating. This is like, like Ice Cube said, here's what they think about you. Right. Ain't no sugarcoating. If you're still rocking with him after he called you the black, the blacks then, it's, for the, the, then the, it's on you. I love you. It's on you. He's, he's being him. Like I said, Trump doing him. People, people are like starstruck by this fucking clown. This Yo. guy's a fucking bum. Donald Trump is a bum. Yo, LeBron James, I'm so jealous that he said you bum you. <laughs> and I didn't say that. I'm jealous that he said that to Donald Trump. I respect the shit out of LeBron James for saying oh, that. Oh, for doing that? Uh, I respect the shit out. First of all, I'm going to say this. LeBron James, I, I've been watching him as unbiased as I, as I possibly can the last couple of uh, games. Yo, he's a fucking beast. We, we, we try to tell your ass that. I know that. I know he's a we tried Four to years tell ago. I know he's a beast. <laughs> but he is doing the damn thing. Speaking of doing the damn thing, next week... I have my first playoff game in the Howard Stern Fantasy Football League. Okay. Now, of course, we do all our fantasy football talk on the world-famous Fantasy Football Follies with my co-captain, Tommy G, Tommy Guns, every Thursday. Okay? But in the Stern League, I just had a bye, which means I won the irregular season. I didn't play this past week. Gorilla Tooth Gary's out. He's out. He lost. He's a fucking loser. Jason Kaplan, the other animal. Gone. Done. I don't know who I'm playing, either Scott Salem or Ben Bardo. Neither here nor there. All right. But as my prize, instead of getting a ring, actually I'll take the ring. What I want, what I'm going to demand as my gift for hopefully winning this fantasy football league is I get to go back on the Howard Stern Show I get to bring a gigantic toothbrush, and I get to brush Big Tooth Gary's gorilla <laughs> fucking teeth <All> right. <laughs> live on air. That's what I want as a prize. That's your prize. Jesus. I get to brush his fucking gorilla teeth. All right. I get to fucking clean those horse teeth once and for all. I'll get like a, like a drill-sized cleaner. You know, I'll put a sponge on it, and, I, and, I, and it's like a, I'll stonewash those fucking things. <laughs> If I win the league after every single thing that I've been through, right. that's the least I should be able to get. Make it happen. You know, I know uh, the majority of the listeners aren't from the New York City area. I don't even know if they have these pharmacies, sort of superstores in the rest of the country. Um, but in New York City, they have these stores called Dwayne Reed's. <laughs> right. I know in Los Angeles, they have Rite Aid's. CVS. Uh, CVS. Like they're like the, 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 the giant sort of chain 
pharmacies that seem to be on every block. Why you need a pharmacy slash superstore on every block, I don't know. But the Dwayne Reeds in New York City are so fucked up. The, the, the people that work there, are they're like zombies. I don't care if you go in the bright early in the morning, the middle of the afternoon, early evening, and late at night. You couldn't find a more miserable batch of people working than there is at a Dwayne Reed store right in the heart of Manhattan. Why? Why they're just animals. So? Oh, what happened? They're fucking animals. Like they're just they listen, I know the job probably sucks, but at least it's the job. Mm. Number one. Everybody's talking about there's no job. Listen, not everybody's meant to be a CEO. This is okay, true. and if you want to change something, go, go to night school. <laughs> you want to uh, open a up. fucking hot dog stand. Right. I don't care what the fuck you do. But I'm fucking there to buy my little shit. I went in there the other day to get some throat lozenges. Mm-hmm. And some Aquaphor. You know what Aquaphor is? No, I don't know what the fuck Aquaphor is. Aquaphor is like sort of like a, um, it's like a Vaseline substance. Mm. I got dry nose. I hear you hear you. my throat's a little fucked up? I hear you. So I put the Aquaphor up my nose, dry nose, but it's not like Vaseline because Vaseline dries up. The Aquaphor stays moist. <laughs> you all fucked up. <laughs> and of course, the throat lozenges, you know, fix the throat. Dude. I walk up to the line, right? Uh And I have like six bottles of water. As I'm walking up to the line, the lady says to me, and I quote, how you know I wasn't going on a break? And I go, huh? She goes, how you know I wasn't going on a break or going to use the bathroom? I said, well, you didn't say you were. She goes, (laughs) but how you know I wasn't? Oh, man. I said, are you going on a break or going to use the bathroom? She goes, no, but how did you know that? I go, listen, you got a problem. We can work it out with your manager. Like they try to like fucking, I'm the customer, you fucking animal. Yeah, that's what I said. Always right. How you know I wasn't going on a break or going to the bathroom? I got six bottles of fucking water in my hand, a tube of Aquaphor, and two packages of throat lozenges. I need to put it down on the counter. I'm the next man up. That's right. If you're going on a break or going to take a shit, lady... Go ahead. Send somebody else in here. But don't break my fucking balls. It's sick. It's nine in the morning on a Sunday, crazy lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to tell them. Yeah. You're the adversary. You're not going to fucking bully me. See, she thought I was one of these fucking Upper East Side flunkies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of old people in this neighborhood. She's, you know she was checking them. Yeah, you're not checking me, fucking nut job. <laughs> At the Dwayne Reed yeah. on 79th in York. You're not fucking checking me. And it's not just the one on 79th in York. It's all over the fucking city. You go in there for a pack of gum and maybe some Burt's Bees lip gloss. Burt's Bees uh, chapstick. <laughs> it's this time of year. Like a chapstick, throat. I need my aquifer. I got to keep everything moistened. You got to keep your whole shit wet. These people are, they're, 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 they're savages in there. And they, God forbid you go in there late night. I'm telling you, it's like the fucking dawn of the dead oh. in there. Dwayne Reed, need come get your people. <laughs> Listen, that's it. That's it. Yo, I want to thank the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, for joining us on the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Right smack dab in the middle of the NFL season. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the insight. Appreciate the honesty. Honey Badger, stay healthy. Um, have a great rest of the season, Tyron Matthew. 
um, and the roving international reporter, Eli Lake. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, me, G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. We're out. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, where the shit talking is free. <laughs> <laughs>